to the latest episode of APPA's Public Power Now podcast. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. We're joined today by Gary Gibson, General Manager and CEO of City Utilities of Springfield, Missouri. Gary, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you having me. Great. Um, so, Gary, uh, kind of get things started. Can you talk about any current or planned projects at CE you'd like to highlight? Sure. And as you may know, City Utilities is a multi-commodity utility. We provide electric natural gas, water, transportation, and we actually uh, also run the bus system in Springfield in addition to our broadband business. So most of our projects uh, are centered around uh, our three transfer our foundational strategies, which are responsibility, dependability, and excellence. So they really are uh, infrastructure rep- projects in the electric and natural gas and water areas. Uh, we've really ramped up some of our, our infrastructure replacement projects over the last couple of years. But our largest project is in our SpringNet broadband area. We formed SpringNet back in, in 1997 uh, to leverage our fiber plant and begin providing broadband services to uh, commercial customers. Our first ones were the hospitals and the schools, which is uh, you know what a lot of utilities did. Uh, while some areas of Springfield over the last couple of years has had availability of gigabit service, uh, we really had pockets within town that did not have gigabit services from those incumbent providers. Uh, so we really saw a need to make affordable gigabit broadband available to the whole community. And we'd started that project back in 2018. And if we would have just known then what we know now through the pandemic and just really how important having gigabit service to the whole community is, uh, just with everybody learning from home and working from home and, and using the broadband for entertainment, uh, we just really saw how important it is for a whole community to have gigabit service. So we are about halfway through a project uh, where we are running in about another 1,100 miles of fiber throughout the whole community. So every door in Springfield will be passed by this fiber. And so w- what we're doing is running the dark fiber. And then we went out and found some partners uh, to lease the dark fiber to provide the service to the community. So our first partner uh, is Lumen, formerly known as CenturyLink. So Lumen is making affordable gigabit service available to the whole community. This is a non-exclusive agreement, so we have additional dark fiber that we're putting in that uh, we hope to leverage for other things in the community, like small cells for the schools uh, and any of the other incumbent providers that want to make use of the network. Uh, but this is about a $150 million project that we're halfway through. Uh, it's going great so far. Uh, it really supports our transformational strategies of growth and innovation and diversity. Uh, and uh, has made the SpringNet business uh, something that that really is going to be just another stool, leg of the stool, uh, like gas and water as far as revenue that brings into the utility and can support the rest of the utility as well. So we're happy about that project. I think private-public partnerships are the way to go at Public utilities like Springfield, we're good at installing poles and and wires. That's what we do well. Uh, The incumbent providers like CenturyLink and and Lumen are really good at providing content. Uh, And so I really see this as a win that Springfield can do and other public power communities can emulate as well. Uh, I like to use the analogy of a community building one road so that FedEx and UPS can deliver packages to your doorstep. This project is just simply building one digital highway so that Amazons and Googles of the world can deliver data packages to your doorstep. So a neat project. Uh, no other public 
power providers have done the same thing. We visited with our good friends down in Huntsville Utilities and their Google Fiber project uh, before we started ours. So that's probably the biggest thing that we have going on here in Springfield. Right. So now you referenced um, the pandemic, um, which has obviously required utilities to adjust operations on the fly over the past year. So kind of drilling down in terms of specific uh, operations, uh, in terms of customer service at CU, are there any lessons learned um, from the pandemic for the utility? I think so. You know, like a lot of our peers, uh, we had to adjust with the pandemic. Uh, We suspended cutoffs for non-payment for a period of time and have definitely been more liberal with setting up payment arrangements for customers. Uh, One of the things that we had to do was we implemented a script to ask customers who are calling in requesting a service call uh, some health safety questions uh, so that we could keep our coworkers safe when they responded. And the number one thing during the pandemic has really just been keeping uh, my coworkers and the community safe. Uh, I think about that daily. all of the things that we do in the community are essential. Uh, I think the everybody here at City Utilities is probably uh, getting weary of me saying that, but it's really true. You know, the community just can't function without the services that we provide. And, and one of the examples I think ex- illustrated that the best was in our transit area. So like I had said, we run the bus system in town. Well, so many people in our community depend on those buses, whether it's to get to a doctor's appointment, is to get to work, or simply just to to get somewhere to to get groceries. And so while we did cut service back a little bit at the beginning of the pandemic, it was very important to me that we kept those buses running. Uh, But I worried about our bus operators and the exposure that they would have. Uh, Essentially, you know, they're in an aluminum box uh, and can't get away uh, from the other folks on the bus. So I was very worried about them. Uh, But our fleet people were outstanding. They quickly came up with a design to build some barriers for the drivers, basically built out of that clear uh, plastic material that are made on Jeep covers uh, and got those installed. And so I was proud that we we're able to maintain that service and get that service back to normal throughout the pandemic. But uh, dealing with all of those things and keeping each other safe, I'm also proud that we were able to roll out our new customer portal and app for customers during the pandemic, which makes it easier to do business with us. And, and it also allows us to present customers with our AMI data now that we're 100% deployed on the electric side so they can make good decisions. It makes it easier for customers to, to get information that they need that might typically have been a visit to the lobby or a service call. Uh, it makes it easier for them to pay their bills. And so those are things that I think as we go forward, we can then leverage uh, to make it easier to do business with us. It also includes a communication uh, center so customers can choose how they want us to communicate with them, whether it's via a phone call, a text message, or an email. And so I think that has really stepped up uh, what was a a hard situation that we're still dealing with here in Southwest Missouri, but it'll make us better uh, serving our customers in the future. So, um, and just kind of switching gears here in terms of topics, um, CU has earned the... um, Diamond Level Reliable Public Power Provider designation from APPA. So could you talk about what steps the utilities taken to maintain high levels of uh, reliability and safety? Yeah, reliability and safety has to just be foundational to everything that we're doing. And so we have really focused on infrastructure replacement in all of the commodities. 
what that means on the electric side, uh, we've really ramped up our vegetation management program uh, to make sure we are reliable. We were spending uh, about a, a million and a half a year in tree trimming just a few years ago. That's close to $4 million a year now. And that was really to get us on a, a five-year cycle as a minimum for, for tree trimming uh, to make sure that we're staying reliable. Uh, we also have ramped up our, our pole replacement program, trying to get on a 50-year replacement cycle for, for our poles. Uh, but not just doing it by age, but also doing field inspections and utilizing our GIS system to make sure that we are addressing the, the poles needing attention the most as soon as we can. Uh, and then also that includes transformer replacements as well, not just on the distribution side, but we have about 45 substations and uh, those substation transformers are starting to show some age, and we want to make sure that we are proactively replacing those. So all of those things go together along with our natural gas and water main replacement programs just to make sure that uh, we provide the service that our neighbors deserve, and that's foundational to everything that we do. So that responsibility piece, and, and then that also goes along with that affordability piece, which is just the core to everything that we do. You know, as you know, um, we're seeing a lot of stress on, on the grid in, in various parts of the country, including the Pacific Northwest, and California's getting some headlines in the last couple of days in terms of uh, really hot temperatures and stress on the grid. Um, so, so in that context, I um, wanted to know, in terms of the summer so far, how has CU system uh, responded so far to, uh, to hotter temperatures in the summer? So really, we've been fortunate here in southwest Missouri that we've had a relatively mild summer so far. However, you know, we did experience everything else with the mid-continent with winter storm Uri, and that really illustrated how extreme temperatures across a whole region can affect us negatively. During winter storm Uri, uh, we're members of SPP, and we had to do our part with some rolling blackouts. Fortunately, uh, they were short-lived. Uh, no customer had more than an hour blackout over the three-hour period that we had to do that. Uh, but after URI, we put together a group to really do an after-action report and see what we could do different and better in some extreme weather events. And I've tasked that group also to take a look with a lens of hot summer weather as well as cold weather, because you know really they they hit us the same way uh, when the system is stressed and when demand goes up and and supply may be down because units are offline. We really want to make sure that we can support the community, and so part of that to me has always been a diversity of generation resources and local generation. Uh, last year at Springfield, we were able to achieve 45% of our customers' energy needs from renewable resources, but you have to have something to back that up, especially during extreme weather events. So a lot of our renewables comes from wind out in Kansas and Oklahoma, uh, but we saw during Erie especially when a lot of resources were curtailed uh, due to the cold weather, a lot of wind was curtailed. Um, you know, there was a lot of coal offline, a lot of natural gas. It was really a natural gas story. But having local generation here in Springfield helped us weather that event uh, very, very well. Uh, so we have to have all those pieces that work together. And I think that's one thing from a national uh, policy standpoint that we all need to look as we are looking at clean energy standards to make sure that we keep that reliability piece in mind. And so, yeah, the, all, all, all very good points. Um, 
So uh, in terms of the, the wrap-up question for you, um, can you talk about your goals um, going forward for CU? Sure. And everybody here uh, has heard me say this over and over again, but uh, again, uh, we have to have a foundation of infrastructure replacement with a relentless focus on the customer and then an eye towards innovation. And that innovation piece, I think, is really important uh, as we're at a really interesting time in our industry uh, and so we recently redid our strategic plan and built it exactly towards that model. So we have three foundational strategies, which are responsibility, dependability, and excellence. But then we have the three transformational strategies, which is grow, innovate, and diversify. Uh, so some of my goals are, you know, especially in the growth area, to utilize resources, our relationships, and our expertise to serve as a catalyst for the success of the community and also the regional economy. We, I really want to increase participation, leadership, and distributed energy resources, and really look at behind the meter resources. Uh, and I really want to task our employees to be innovative. Uh, we recently kicked off an innovation hub at the utility to get our employees' ideas. I want to foster a creative working environment. I want to proactively respond to customer expectations, and I want to make sure industry changes are elevated and our role in the community is a trusted service provider is at the forefront. And then diversity means a number of different things to me. Of course, we want to cultivate a diverse workforce that includes a culture of equity and inclusion, but we also want to make sure we intentionally implement diversity, inclusion, best practices across our whole uh, organization for performance. But that also includes a, a diversity of resources like I talked about and make sure we diversify what we do as a community partner because at the end of the day, we're just here to support our neighbors, and quality of life has to be at the core of everything that we do. Well, Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to, to speak with us today. It's uh, been a great conversation, um, and consider yourself having an open invitation to uh, return as a guest uh, on the podcast at some point in the, uh, in the future. So, Gary, thanks again for taking the time. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate you having me.